welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources in how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. top of the show, I'd like to thank my father, Ken Rezac, for listening and supporting the show. Thanks, Dad. And I'd also like to thank Jimmy Perlstein in Phoenix for listening. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Men are certainly more powerful when they are authentic. The most powerful men I know are relentless truth-tellers. And when I say powerful, I don't mean a power derived from status or position or money. I am speaking of an inner power that is undeniable. These men don't mince words or shy away from an uncomfortable situation or emotion. When they speak their truth, others in their presence feel that they too have room to be real. It's healing and cathartic and has men grow in ways that they simply cannot by faking it. Fake is out, so is political correctedness. Speaking the raw truth is what has others love and respect you. And we can all be inauthentic at times. There are times when you need to project a confident self or you're just not ready to express a vulnerable truth about something. That is all normal. The problem comes when your whole repertoire of expression consists of looking good, saving face, and avoiding looking bad. You start coming off as totally unreal, and we all notice it and feel it. It's one of the first things that men notice when they decide to do men's work. Hey, I can be myself here. I'm hearing the truth in this circle. This is how men really feel about things, and it's game-changing. I see more and more men gravitating towards this work and these conversations, and with good reason. Where else can men learn authenticity and get new tools for life in such a supportive setting? Groups are forming as we speak, and there's a place waiting for you. We want to hear your truth. My guest today exemplifies this authentic life. My guest today is Kyle Bradford. Kyle is the writer behind ChopperPapa.com, a blog dedicated to observations and discussions about marriage, single parenting, dating, divorce, and manhood. It is not a typical daddy blog about potty training minivans or the best apps for toddlers. Instead, it offers candid thoughts to the weighty issues we all face, whether we're married or single, such as relationship communication, coping after an extramarital affair, blended families, raising children, dating as a single parent, dealing with ex-spouses, and other tidbits that Kyle calls intellectual roadkill. Here is my interview with Kyle Bradford. Okay, I am here with Kyle Bradford. Kyle, welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Tony. It's good to talk to you. I appreciate the invitation. So Kyle and I, um, this is our second conversation. We actually had an interview when Kyle was hosting uh, Fatherhood Wide Open, and I came on as the guest, and we had a really great conversation there. And so I thought of Kyle, we're coming up on Father's Day, and I thought this would be great to check in with him. And um, do you have any plans of bringing back Fatherhood Wide Open? Is that on a uh, hiatus or is it just kind of like it's set on the shelf and you'll see? What, what are your thoughts on that right now? Because that's a really great show. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, Tony, when I, when I, when I started Fatherhood Wide Open uh, several years ago, I, I really did it with the intention of giving the men out there like yourself who are, are doing, doing great things, just a platform to be able to talk about what they're doing. And, you know, so often we live in a culture now where celebrityism and professional athletes, you know, because you can throw a football across the field, that doesn't give you the right to tell me how to live my life. 
Right. Um, yeah. And there are a lot of guys out there that don't have that type of popularity, but they're, they're really doing good stuff. And so I want a chance to showcase those individuals. And I got more out of the conversations than I think uh, probably any listeners did. But, you know, life gets in the way you know, with family and stuff. And really it was, it, it takes a lot of work as I'm sure, you know, to put these types of programs on. And so I had to shelve it for the short term and I'd love to bring it back if the opportunity presents itself, because I, like I said, I got more of it than probably anybody else did. But um, for now I would put it on a long pause and, and we'll yeah. see how things go in the future. And you were doing everything yourself. I'm lucky to have a, a team that's behind me, a sound editor and all that stuff. So, you know, I have to do the front end stuff but it's much easier for me than it was for you. You were doing everything. So, I mean, that's a whole nother ball of wax to heavy lift, you know, and put episodes out all the time. So it was a mom and pop shop. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things that jumped out at me in our conversation that we had back then was there was a concern you had about the attack on traditional values and and traditional gender roles. I want to get your perspective on that because I live in a I live in Seattle, so it's it's a really blue city, very liberal, and so you know we we deal with all the diversity, all the things that come with a big city. And how do we balance as men? How do we balance rolling with the times? But then, what are we losing, and and what do we need to make sure we have moving forward? The male influence that needs to be there. Because economically, a lot of families need the wives or the women, the moms to work to make ends meet, which brings them out of the traditional role of being home. What, what are your thoughts on that? I'm really curious about where you're at now, because we had kind of touched on it a little bit in Fatherhood Wide Open. I just wanted to get your perspective or your insights on that today. I mean, when you take a look at where we are in our culture today, I mean, you can't argue that there is an attack on manhood and masculinity. When a boy grows up not understanding what being a man is and is not, then they make their own rules. So, you know, in absence of of understanding what a a true man is, these boys will make their own definition. And usually that definition is based on something having to do with sex. Yeah. I do think, too, there's this part of, I don't know if we're giving the boys ample resources to sort of unpack what challenges they're facing. We were never, you and I were never given that. And, and, you know, we made it through into mature manhood, but there's a lot of good boys that feel really isolated and they don't have any kind of way to say, hey, I'm frustrated. They feel so much pressure to conform and so much pressure from maybe parents and teachers, performative pressures, and there's no way for them to blow off steam. And I'm not saying that's the reason boys are taking guns and going into schools, but I think it's a complicated problem. One thing you said that's interesting is, with the gender fluidity, I had a conversation, this came up in my last episode with Dr. Michael Reichert, and the media seems hell-bent on telling us men that there is no gender anymore. But when you really look at the statistics, it's a minuscule amount of sort of gender fluidity and stuff. They make it sound like, you know, it's now 80%. There's something going on that's just like doesn't quite fly, that doesn't feel truthful to me at all, because I talk to a lot of men. And I talk to a lot of men that are very clear about who they are. I don't know. It's, it's a confusing time. But it doesn't have to be confusing, right? I mean, you know, yeah. I've got a 15-year-old. And, you know, you, you said earlier, you know, we weren't taught these things about what being a man is. And so, you know, as, as I had my son and, and as he began to get older, I remember that. And, you know, as, as, as I think most fathers would want to do, they want to try to help their children avoid the mistakes they made. 
And so from a very early age, I did my very best, Tony, to try to pour into him. And so one of the examples, and one of the ones that I've talked about and I've used quite often, you know, in other conversations is men have a hard time talking about sex. I mean, they talk about it in some sort of joking manner, some sort of, you know, as they're boasting about their conquest. But, you know, how do you talk about sex with a child? And First off, I don't believe in the sex talk. I believe in the sex conversation that goes on for years. And so I had my first, I remember I had my first sex conversation. It was appropriate, but I had it with him when he was seven, seven years old. Yeah. Um, And so that conversation has continued. So what that does now is now at 15 years of age, all of the weirdness is gone. So we can talk about something because we addressed all the weirdness while I still had enough influence on him. I mean, if I went to him now to have a sex conversation today at 15, I'd yeah. go nowhere. I know. No, it'd be that's, weird. that's fantastic right? coaching for men that if they got young boys, it's never too early. And I, I think the way you handle that is stellar. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you, because we, we talked about this in the episode I did with you about pornography, and we were in slightly different camps back then, but that's no longer the case. Back when we had our conversation, this has been maybe five years ago or four years ago, you were saying, you were giving the warning sign, like, I just think pornography is really bad. And I was, I was, I grew up in the sex positive messaging and culture that said, there's nothing wrong with porn. Yeah, you don't want to just, you know, pig out and do it every day and use it every day, but you can use it a little bit. And, you know, men are visual, you know, all the books I was reading, you know, as a young man said, it's part of being a man. It's okay. And so when I was on your show, I was kind of coming from that point. But now five years later, you know, I read The Porn Trap by Larry and Wendy Martz, which is essential reading for men. And just being in more men's groups and having more conversations and sitting with myself, Mm -hmm. I just realized, you know what? I really think if a man is in a long-term relationship and he's not being intimate with his partner and he's surfing a lot of porn the porn is implicated. Like if you can't look at that and say, that might be what's going on, then you're, you've got a big blind spot. So I've come all the way around. My coaching for men is like, if you're doing it on a regular basis, take a big break and see how you feel. Cause I think you're going to be very surprised. My question to you is like, did you bring that up with your son and how did you phrase that? Or what was the way that you addressed that with him? Because I have a 12 year old. And so these, these conversations are coming for me as well. So, you know, first off at 12, you should have already been getting the habit because the typical boy today will start looking at pornography at 11. Not by choice, but it'll just pop up. And I've gotten to the point now, Tony, where I don't want to prevent my son from looking at it. I want to coach him on what to do when he sees it. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Listen, man, you can't prevent your kid from getting on porn. The internet will prevent us. Right. It's just the way that it is. Yep. What do they do, though? How do they handle it? So my experience has been... The best way to coach your child on the effects of pornography is to talk about your own experience with it. And let me tell you something, that's tough to do. I shared with my son that I had a porn addiction years ago. That was a hard conversation for me to have because that was vulnerable. But I can tell you that conversation changed everything for him because he recognized, holy crap, man, if my dad if it's a problem for him, I don't want to have that. And so I've had conversations with him about porn for the last seven years. You know, first it was understanding what porn was. What is it? What does pornography mean? Because he would ask that question. And then over time, beginning to talk more fundamentally about just the aspects of what pornography is and what it can do. And then you punctuate that whole conversation ultimately with, I had a porn addiction once. 
for me, it was going and talking about my own history. And it was tough, but it was liberating. Um, I think he came out of it with more respect. But for the man that's knee-deep in pornography right now, that's hard to do, man. You know, you can't do that. I did the same kind of thing with drinking. Like, my grandparents were alcoholics, and, you know, I was I was a big boozer in my day. And, you know, I've been sober for six years, and it just feels like I not only did it for my own health and my family, it feels like it kind of healed something generationally. You know, even my late grandparents, I could feel cheering me on as I got sober. And then I think it really lessens my son's propensity to go haywire with booze because he's like, he's mm. seen his dad recognize the problem, talk about it openly, and then lead a, a clean life. With you, it's like you did it in such a great way. Like, I'm going to break this. I have this addiction. I'm going to address it. And then I'm going to talk about it with my boy. He's going to come up with much less chance of like getting knee deep in that and then losing 10, 15 years in it. You know, he might find it, but you've done so much to make sure that he's got as much as he can to be healthy as a man moving forward. So good for you for addressing it. What's, what's a delicate topic. And a lot of men have so much shame around it that they can't even bring it up. It just goes unspoken. And then the boy will start doing the same sorts of things, but nobody's really talking about it. So he's like, I, I don't know. He just gets sucked right into the same pattern subconsciously. Well, I mean, vulnerability does amazing thing. Being vulnerable as a man will, will heal a relationship with a wife. It'll heal a relationship with a child. Um, vulnerability can't be overestimated. And then secondly, there, there's a biblical principle out there that we ultimately have strength in our weakness. Men don't recognize, well, all of us, but men don't recognize that. They don't recognize that in your weakness lies the greatest strength that you have. It's the strength that you can influence your family and lead your family in ways that you would have never truly understood otherwise. But to your point earlier, we have a culture where we've got to have it all figured out. The expectation is that we figure it all out. So, you know, we can't do that because then we somehow or another are not living up to that expectation. Right. No, that's beautifully put. I mean, we, we have a kind of a same thing in the, in the men's community that, you know, your brightest gold is in your darkest shadow. You know, the, the, the addiction, the shame, all, all the things that you've kind of stuffed in the back closet and didn't want to address. Suddenly, there's these great gifts that come out of it. But we're just not culture to talk about that, you know, to circle it back around to the boy who's confused and doesn't have a place to unpack. Um, do you participate or lead in any kind of men's groups or like a faith-based group? Do you do any men's work where you're in a circle on a regular basis? Or was that something that you did in the past at all? Or I've done it in the past. At this point, we have transitioned a little bit. Uh, my wife and now are really involved heavily in leading step family couples. Um, you know, we're a blended family, as uh -huh. you probably know. And, you know, when you think about the number of individuals who are in second marriages, third marriages, and those relationships bring children, I mean, it is so complicated. And when you think about the failure rate of second marriages, you know, I, my heart hurts for children and have to go through divorce more than once. And, and so our hearts have really been turned towards we're leading several blended family groups right now. They're all faith-based. But I have never gotten very far away from men's groups. I mean, I mentor with several men one-on-one -on -one right now. I go to men's retreats pretty regularly. For me, you got to have that. I mean, because I just, I love to see the change in men, especially a man who's never really done that type of thing before. And they come in and, you know, and they can, they can unload on a group of people just the nastiest, gnarliest stuff in their past. And when they recognize that they're still accepted afterwards, it's life changing for those guys. 
Absolutely. You know, I do these little five-week groups. I have one that's online right now, and I have an in-person one here in Seattle. And I, I run them a couple of times a year, usually spring and fall. And it's the same thing with those. It's like when men get a chance to really unpack these, like, you know, they think it's the dark demons or this, like, I don't know if I can say this or whatever. And they find out that, you know, half the men in there are experiencing the same thing or, or had in the past. Oh my God, it's just gold. It's just, it's so empowering. And just to feel that level of acceptance amongst a group of men, it's, it's very unusual but it's being done all over. It's not just the Mankind Project or faith-based. There's, there's just men's groups popping up all over the world because there's a need for it. Um, I'm starting to ask this question a little bit from my interviewees. What is something that you would recommend? It could be anything. It could be a book. It could be a training. It could be a teacher, a quote, some health tip. What, what have you found recently that men need to know about and that you'd like to tell them? There's so many directions that we could go in that. I mean, as you know, I am a man of faith and, you know, and I have uh, been an evangelical Christian for the better part of at least my adulthood. And, you know, when you think about where we are as a culture today and where we are as a society today and, and, and politics have become our national religion, we will fight tooth and nail to get people to come to our side. But the reality is that we're putting in faith in infallible people. There is a spiritual hunger in our country, and I think that spiritual hunger, more often than not, is coming from men, and they don't know how to express it. It's a sign of weakness to look at your career and say, you know what, I've made it to the top of the mountain, but there wasn't enough. What's more? You know, especially for men our age, right? We're in our mid-40s. We're moving into the midlife. You know, maybe we've achieved career goals, but maybe there's still, there's lack of fulfillment there. Ultimately, we all have to answer the question. What is after this? What's next? I mean, I'm 50 years old. I told my son last night, I'll be 49 next week. I said, my life's over half over. And, you know, you think about it and and it's one thing, but when you say it and know that there's probably more in my rearview mirror than there is in my windshield, (laughs) that question of what, that question of what's next takes on a whole new level of importance. So you know, I know there are men that'll be listening to this, that'll be struggling with that question. It's like, holy crap, man. I mean, my kids are almost gone. What's next? Begin to look and answer that question. Do you feel a sense of urgency with it? Like, I feel a little urgent. Like the the way that you describe the world and the politics and the times are just shifting and changing. It creates anxiety. And I have this mission around assisting men find resources, but there's this sense of like, you know, I guess I'm, I'm your age. I'm a little a few years older than you. There's this sense of like more of my life's in the rear view mirror that you said than the windshield. And I've got this subtle anxiety and sense of urgency of making sure I leave enough of the stuff I came here to teach and stuff. And, and I don't feel like I'm quite there. And so it creates this kind of, you know, I have to remind myself, breathe, you're in alignment, it's working out, you know, but I, I don't know if you feel that or not. There was a time where I did. Mm-hmm. All right. There was a time where I did, but you know, I, I've reached a point and I think I'm farther aloft long in my faith journey now, Tony, that I don't look at that life, at least today with that sense of urgency, like there's these certain boxes that I've got to check off. Mm-hmm. I, I'm beyond that now. I mean, yep. you know, I, my mission in life right now is to live my life in such a way that brings glory to my creator and that can influence and positively impact the lives of those around me. That's, That's great. it. 
That's great. And whether that is just a one-on-one conversation with somebody or whether that's standing in front of a bunch of people, that's where I see my mission today. And because of that, I think my anxiety has gone away. Now, talk to me a year and a half from now and something may change. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But today, um, you know, I just don't feel that anxiety. That's great. Well, it's such a, it's such a, it's so invigorating to talk to you. You've got such a clear mission. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on, Kyle. I so appreciate your insights. The, the listeners are going to get a ton out of this. The conversation about your son and pornography, that, that is gold. I mean, there's a lot of men that are sitting on these conversations. And this is going to open up some authenticity. And my hope is that men will take what we talked about today and take a look at what's going on with themselves and in their family life and stuff like that. So thank you so much. Have a happy Father's Day. I hope you get to do something with your family that's fun and invigorating. And I hope to have you back on again as we unpack this show. But thanks again so much. I appreciate everything you do for the step families and for men. Thank you, Kyle. You bet, Tony. Thanks for having me on. I hope you enjoyed our time with Kyle Bradford. I think he exemplifies having courage in facing yourself and being authentic with your children. Parents often try and hide their wounds from their children and loved ones, but I think this is a mistake. When you are authentic and come from the heart, people, including children, will give you space to show up in your humanity. I don't know any perfect people, but I do know lots of real people who make mistakes, look honestly at themselves, learn valuable lessons, and then communicate those lessons with heart and humility. One thing I'd like to mention is the book The Porn Trap by Wendy and Larry Maltz. This is an essential book for anyone who is curious about the impact of pornography on your brain and your life. And for parents of young boys, it's an important ally in understanding this lurking element that all our boys are going to have to deal with. I hope to get Larry and Wendy on soon for more insights on this important topic. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for listening to Basecamp for Men, and we'll see you next week. That's our show for today. Men, good luck in all your endeavors. Good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Basecamp for Men. Basecamp for Men.